Yes, he thought. This is right. I am on the right side. I am on the right road. I have the solution. I must end by holding fast to something. My resolve is taken. Let things take their course. Let us no longer vacillate. Let us no longer hang back. This is for the interest of all, not for my own. I am Madeleine, and Madeleine I remain. Woe to the man who is Jean Valjean. I am no longer he. I do not know that man. I no longer know anything. It turns out that someone is Jean Valjean at the present moment. Let him look out for himself. That does not concern me. It is a fatal name which was floating abroad in the night. If it halts and descends on a head, so much the worse for that head. He looked in the, in the mirror which hung above his chimney piece and said, Hold. It has relieved me to come to a decision. I am quite another man now. He proceeded a few paces further and then stopped short. Come, he said. I must not flinch before any co of the consequences of the resolution which I have won which I have once adopted. There are still threads which attach me to Jean Valjean. They must be broken. In this very room there are objects which would betray me, dumb things which would bear witness against me. It is settled. All these things must disappear. He fumbled in his pocket, drew out his purse, opened it, and took out a small key. He inserted the key in a lock whose aperture could hardly be seen. So hidden was it in the sombre tones of the design which covered to the wallpaper. A secret receptacle opened and a sort of false cupboard constructed in the angle between the wall and the chimney piece. In this hiding place there were some rags, blue, a blue linen blouse, an old pair of trousers, an old knapsack and a huge thorn cudgel shod with iron at both ends. Those who had seen Jean Valjean at the epoch when he passed through Dignes in October 1815 could hardly have recognised all the pieces of this miserable outfit. He had preserved them as he had preserved the silver candlesticks in order to remind himself continually of his starting point. But he had concealed all that had come from the galleys he had allowed the candlesticks which came from the bishops to be seen. He cast a furtive glance towards the door, as though he feared it would open in spite of the bolt which fastened it. Then, with a quick and abrupt movement, he took the whole lot in his arms at once, without bestowing so much as a glance on things which he had so religiously and so perilously preserved for so many years. He flung them all, rags, cudgel, knapsack, into the fire. He closed the false cupboard again, and now with redoubled precautions, henceforth unnecessary, since it was now empty, he concealed the door between behind a heavy piece of furniture, which he pushed in front of it. After the lapse of a few seconds, the room and the opposite wall were lighted up with a fierce, red, tremulous glow. Everything was on fire. The thorn cudgel snapped and threw out sparks into the middle of the chamber.
as the knapsack was consumed together with the hideous rags which it contained. It revealed something which sparkled in the ashes. By bending over, one could have readily recognised a coin. No doubt the 40 sous piece stolen from the little Savoyard. He did not look at the fire. He paced back and forth with the same step. All at once his eye fell on the two silver candlesticks, which shone vaguely on the chimney piece. Through the glow, hold, he thought. The whole of Jean Valjean is still in them. They must be destroyed also. He seized the two candlesticks. There was still fire enough to allow them being put out of shape and converted into a, some sort of unrecognisable bar of metal. He bent over the hearth and warmed himself for a moment. He felt a sense of real comfort. How good warmth is, he said. He stirred the live coals with one of the candlesticks. A minute more and they were both in the fire. At that moment, it seemed to him that he heard the voice within him shouting, Jean Valjean, Jean Valjean. His hair rose upright. He became like a man who was listening to some terrible thing. Yes, that's it, let it finish said the voice, complete what you are about. Destroy these candlesticks, annihilate this souvenir. Forget the bishop, forget everything. Destroy this chap, Matthew. That is right, applaud yourself so it is settled, resolved, fixed and agreed. Here's to an old man who does not know what is wanted of him. Who has perhaps done nothing, an innocent man, whose whole misfortune lies in your name, upon whom your name weighs like a crime, who is about to be taken for you, who will be condemned, who will finish his days in abjectness and horror. That is good. Be an honest man yourself. Remain, Monsieur Le Maire. Remain honourable and honoured. Enrich the town and nourish the indigent. Rear the orphan. Live happy, virtuous and admired. During this time, while you are here in the midst of joy and light, there will, there will be a man who will wear your red blouse, who will bear your name in ignominy, ignominy, who will drag your chain in the galleys. Yes, it is well arranged thus. The perspiration streamed from his brow. He fixed a haggard eye on the candlesticks, but that within him, which had spoken, had not finished. The voice continued. Jean Valjean, there will be around you many voices which will make a great noise, which will talk very loud, and which will bless you. And only one which no one will hear which will curse you in the dark. Well, listen, infamous man. All of those benedictions will fall back before they reach heaven, and the only malediction will ascend to God. The voice, feeble at first, which had proceeded from the most obscure depths of his conscience, 
had gradually become startling and formidable, and he now heard it in in his very ear. It seemed to him that it had detached itself from him, and it was now speaking outside of him. He thought that he heard those last words so distinctly that he glanced around the room in a sort of terror. Is there anyone here? He demanded aloud, then reassured with a laugh, which resembled that of a madman. How stupid I am, there can be no one. There was someone, but the person who was there was of those whom human eye cannot see. He placed the candlesticks on the chimney piece and then resumed his monotonous, monotonous and lugubrious tramp, which troubled the dreams of the sleeping man beneath and awoke him with a start. This tramping to and fro soothed and at the same time intoxicated him. It sometimes seemed on supreme occasions as though people moved about for the purpose of asking advice of everything that they may encounter by chance, by a change of place. After the lapse of a few minutes, he no longer knew his position. He now recoiled in equal terror before both the resolutions at which he had arrived in turn. The two ideas which counselled him appeared to be equally fatal. What a fatality. What conjunction that Chaff Matthew should have been taken for him to be overwhelmed by precisely the means which Providence seemed to have employed at first to strengthen his position. There was a moment when he reflected on the future, denounce himself, great God, deliver himself up. With immense despair, he faced all that he should be obliged to leave, all that he should be obliged to take up once more. He should have bid farewell to that existence which was so good, so pure and so radiant, to the respect of all, to honour, to liberty.